but it doesn't necessarily mean to take on the solutioning component because I promise you, each of us individually, the minute we discover a problem, something that needs to be resolved, our brain is going to work for that solution. In fact, we have the answers we need within us. Are you sick and tired of your life and relationships being so difficult, resulting in that endless frustrating cycle of directing, correcting, and ordering the people in it, ultimately draining you of your happiness? So how are people like you and I, who care and are willing to invest in our relationships, people who are willing to take ownership of our behaviors and actions, how are we able to make the changes necessary to create intentional relationships? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Lindsay K. Porter, and welcome to Enlightened Relationships. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Enlightened Relationships. I am excited to be with you another week and to share some information that I have been observing in my own life and in the lives of my clients, where our brain is so quick to jump into action, to want to take care of problems that it identifies or that it's creating. And our brain loves to identify problems, you guys. It likes to see that something has gone wrong and it's quick to identify it. And if it's not observing something that's gone wrong, then it is going to create something that it may be a future problem, something that hasn't happened yet, but it might happen at some point in the future. And this is what our brain does. I like to see it as, you know, our brain will sometimes keep us distracted with problems so that we're really not able to focus on what we want in our life, but rather putting more of our attention and focus on what we don't want in our life. So this might look like these problems, like thinking that something's gone wrong that our brain creates for us, you guys, it might look like, you know, I have too many things that are going on and I don't have enough time to do them. Or, oh, here's another thing I got to add to my list. You know, my child comes home with a school project that I wasn't anticipating. And here's another thing that we got to do. A problem that it's focused on, that something has gone wrong. Or maybe it's someone forgot something and now it's a problem for me. And we show up in this panic and we're taking action from panic or from worry or better yet, fear. Whatever it is for you and in your world, just notice how quickly your brain goes to, we got a problem. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? And I just want to bring into the awareness, your awareness of how your brain is scanning for something that has gone wrong. It's just looking for the problem. And it's so quick to jump into action. And usually it's with those good intentions. But when we're just quick to react, we don't always have good outcomes. So today I'd like to slow down this process for you, this process of our brain creating problems and equipped you with three considerations, three things to consider before you jump into action. 
So let's dive in. The first consideration, the first thing to really examine is a question to ask yourself, whose problem is it? You guys, this is such an important question because when we can slow down what our brain is wanting to speed up with problems, we can really examine whose problem is it? Is it a me problem? Is it something that I need to actually handle? Or is it a problem that belongs to someone else? When it is a you problem, you guys, when it is a problem that you own, This is where we take on ownership and really examine what do we want to do. When it's someone else's problem, oftentimes our brain still wants to jump into action and take on that ownership. But what I want to offer to you is we sometimes are doing a disservice when we do that. Because if the problem isn't ours, we're taking away the ownership of someone else to solution and problem solve. And We're taking away our own inner peace, thinking it's something we need to handle, something we need to fix. Maybe you'll have a supporting role. I do this often with my children, sometimes even with my spouse, sometimes with a friend. Sometimes it's just supporting and letting them know that you're there if they need it. But it doesn't necessarily mean to take on the solutioning component, because I promise you, Each of us individually, the minute we discover a problem, something that needs to be resolved, our brain is going to work for that solution. In fact, we have the answers we need within us. Sometimes we just get lost on how we're accessing that. And that's where, for me, I I will at times step in with my children if they're wanting that support from me. But I allow them to take ownership of their problems. The second thing to consider is really observing your emotional response. Just notice if your emotional response to this perceived problem is putting you on the upward spiral or on a downward spiral. More often than not, when our brain thinks there's a problem, we're typically somewhere on the downward spiral. And when we take immediate action from that downward spiral emotion, we are in reaction mode. And what I have learned from my own experiences is when I take action from reacting, I am not acting for my highest good or for those that are involved. Notice where you are on the upward or downward spiral. If you observe that you're on the downward spiral, then take some time to process your emotion. What does that look like? You guys, there is another episode that I have done. I can include it in the show notes, but where we go into how to process emotion. But the first thing we always got to do is we got to name the emotion, give it a name. And then we got to get out of our head and into our body. Where do you feel this emotion? Is it in your chest? Is it in your stomach? Is it in your throat? Maybe it's behind your eyes. Like, where are you feeling the emotion? What does it feel like? Is it tightening? Is it sharp shooting pains that kind of come and go? Is it hot? Is it feeling cold? What does it feel like? I love with my children to ask them, what the color of the emotion is. And the reason why I do this is because of the next thing we do with our emotion. And that's really breathing into it and exhaling it. So inhale 
and exhale. And when we're on the exhale with my kids, I love to have them imagine they're blowing that color of smoke out of their body as they're releasing this emotion. Take the time to process the emotion because I promise that intensity of emotion that you're feeling in the moment, it will dissipate in moments of just breathing through it so that you can have a clearer head to actually take action, to really consider what it is that you want to do. And that actually leads us into the third consideration. And that is asking, how do you want to show up in this moment? This is a power question to respond to your life and to the people in it. How do you want to show up? We all play different roles in our life, a role as a spouse, as a parent, maybe it's a sibling, even an an employee, maybe it's the boss, whatever it is, each and every one of us plays so many different roles. And we need to ask, how do you want to show up in this moment in that role that you're playing? This you guys, I promise, will allow you to respond to your life, allow you to respond to the moment that you're in, in a way that will serve you for your highest good and for those around you. So I've shared with you the three considerations, these three considerations, anytime you think there is a problem, something has gone wrong in your life. And now I want to share in my own life how this has shown up. Okay, just recently, I had my youngest son. We were doing morning drop-off. I had all of my kiddos in my car. We were going to school to do morning drop-off. And the school that my kids go to is a K through 12 school. It's a charter school and it has all the grades there. And there's two different start times for the elementary side compared to the preparatory side. And we were doing drop-off and there's a lot of traffic for drop-off. And as we were pulling up to the curb and letting my kids out, each of them were filing out. My youngest son got out of his car seat and was walking and he's like, I forgot my shoes. He totally forgot his shoes. He left them in the garage and had no shoes, only his socks on his feet. And in this moment, I'm like in my head going, seriously, how in the world could you forget your shoes? And I could feel the tightening in my body. And my son in this moment, he's like, I'm not going to school without shoes. I'm not. And he went back to go sit in a seat and he was worried and concerned of all of the things that was going to happen if he didn't have his shoes. We go to a school where there's uniform and proper wear of how to wear your uniform and certain shoes that you need to bring to school. And I took a deep breath because I really, in this moment, was not feeling like I was on the upward spiral. I was frustrated. I was feeling that resistance in my body with the tightening. And this is when I decided to take a breath thinking, how do I want to show up in this moment with my son? Who's already stated he's not leaving my car and has gone back to his seat and sat back down. I asked my son, whose job is it to make sure that you have everything you need before we go to school? And he responded with mine. When he responded in that way, I already knew, but I was so grateful that he knew is it was his problem to handle. It wasn't a me problem. Was it going to kind of affect me? 
Yeah, there was definitely this ripple effect that was going to happen because in this moment, I had to decide what I was willing to do. My son could ride a bike to school. Not that I'm comfortable with that myself. He's too little. There's too many busy streets that he'd have to cross. So for me, that wasn't an option, but I had to sit here and really look at what I was willing to do. And I shared with him, buddy, you have two options in my perspective. And that is you can go to school without shoes and see what the school does, or we go home. The thing is, I'm not willing to take you back to school until after school starts for everyone, because I did not want to have to go through the queue, the line, the waiting. Again, we get there in enough time that I could have gone home with my son brought him back with his shoes in hand and drop him off. But I wasn't willing to go through that sitting and waiting. And so I told him in that moment that what I was willing to do was to go home. And then we would have to wait until after school started in order for me to take him back, which would mean he would be about 40 minutes late to school and he would get a tardy. You know, they, they track tardies. There's only so many late tardies that you can get before there's a detention. And my son's brain was scanning for, oh, how am I going to get in trouble this way? But this way he had his shoes. And I said, so what is it that you want to do? Go to school without shoes or go home, wait until school starts and get a tardy. He chose go home, wait and get a tardy because he really wanted to have these shoes. I allowed my son to one, make the decision for him to decide what he was going to do with it, giving him information of what I was willing to do in this moment, because it was definitely a his problem. It wasn't a me problem. It's not my job to remember to put his shoes on. That's his job. And so that's what we did. And so after school started, the high school portion, the preparatory side started, we were there about 8.15 to get him into school. We went into the front office. We had to say why we were late. He explained that he forgot his shoes. And this was the time that mom was able to drop him off. And so he took his little slip and he went into school and was late. This allowed me to get back to my center of peace, to be able to show up as the mom that I wanted and honoring me in my time of what I was willing to do in the moment. All of this is available to each one of us. I want to share another story with you guys because this is a little different. It actually happened over a year ago because it was when we all started school last school year with distant learning. We were having virtual classrooms with the pandemic that was going on. And so with that, my kids each had their laptops that they were using, their computers that they were using, some of which the school gave us, some of which that we invested because we have four kids. And each of them had their own little areas of the home to do their school in for the first three weeks of school. This was the plan. And so with this came on one of these school days, an email from a teacher. I'm sitting in my office, I'm doing my stuff, and I'm looking at my emails, and I noticed this email from one of my children's teacher. Well, as I opened the email, it said that they have noticed that my child was turning on and off his camera, the web camera. And during learning time, they asked that all cameras remain on. And so that they can see all of the kids and observe what it is that they're doing so that everyone's experiencing the learning time. 
Well, the teacher wasn't sure if there was a connection problem that wasn't allowing the camera to be on, you know, because sometimes that happens where if we turn off the camera, we have more bandwidth in our home. And I had so many kids on the internet, including myself. So it was a strain on our internet. And so that was one of the things the teacher thought it could be and just really wanted me to bring it into my awareness to decide you know, if it was a problem or something that needed to be corrected. So I saw this and I was like, huh, I had no idea because each of my kids were connected and seemed to be doing well with the internet. And so I brought my child into my office and had them read this email. I could see their disposition change as they were reading this email, noticing that maybe I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to do, such as turning on and off the camera. Well, as they finished reading this, Because when I got this email, you guys, when I received this email, I had the thoughts, what does this teacher think of me and my means of parenting my children? And how am I supporting them at home? And I could have made this about me and think, how was my child's behavior reflecting on me as a parent? I want you to know that was not the place I went because I truly believe, I truly believe when it comes to parenting that I was the vehicle that brought my children into this experience, but this is their life to live and for them to solution their problems. I didn't go down that path and make it about me. I didn't respond to the teacher going, I will make sure that the cameras are on. I didn't do anything like that. This was not a me problem. I'm good with my camera. You know, I'm good on when it's on and when it's off. This was a child's problem, one of my children's problem. And this is why I brought them in to read the email. As they did, I said, how do you want to respond to this? What do you want to do about this? Because this is something you need to address. It's a concern your teacher has. How do you want to handle it? And in that moment, you know, they've been working on typing. I had him respond in email and he had shared with me what he was doing as he had snacks on the table next to him and he wanted to eat them and enjoy them. And he would turn off his camera so he could eat. And so I asked, are you not supposed to be eating during learning time? He said, well, we can, you know, they do ask that we wait till break, but if we were really hungry that we could. And I said, well, so it seems if you want to have a snack, you can, but if that's too great of a temptation, maybe you want to not have your snacks with you if it's causing you to turn on and off your camera to eat them. And so that's exactly what he did. He decided what was going to work for him. And that was not to have snacks in his learning space until it was time to have that break and snack moment. And he said that he was going to keep his camera on, that he'd stop turning it on and off. And that's how he responded to his teacher. And everything was fine. He was good. He figured out what he wanted to do, how he wanted to respond, how he wanted to use the camera or not, understanding the teacher expectation around it. And everything was fine. It wasn't a problem that I felt I had to take over, solution, or respond to his teacher. And it allowed my child to have the experience to understand how he wanted to show up and what he wanted to do with it. All of this is available. Your brain will create problems. It will create chaos. It will create panic in your world. It will create the feeling that you need to handle something and do something now. And you guys, I just want to offer to you to slow it down, to really identify whose problem is it, okay? What is your emotional response when you think about this problem? 
Are you on the upward or downward spiral? If you're on the downward, take a moment to process the emotion and then move into how do you want to show up? How do you want to handle? Because this allows you to respond versus react. Okay, you guys, I want you to know that if you are having relationship problems or there's something in your life that you continue to struggle with and you'd like some support, the doors are currently open to join me in Enlightened Relationship Academy. That is my group coaching membership. So if you have considered or thought about joining, now is the time to do it because the doors are open. And I would love to support you in your journey as you're navigating the day-to-day of life. So if this is speaking to you and you think now is the time, please go out to my website. It is lindsaykporter.com forward slash E-R-A. So if this is speaking to you and it's something that you want to do, go out to that site, look at the details. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Okay, you guys, I hope you have a fabulous day and I look forward to getting back to you next week. Who is your relationship coach? If you don't have one, I would be honored to be your coach. I created a virtual program called Enlightened Relationships Academy that I would like to invite you to join me in, where we address challenges, work on your goals, and together create the life and the relationships you desire. When you are ready to take what you are learning on this podcast to the next level, then come check out Enlightened Relationships Academy at lindsaykporter.com forward slash E-R-A.